0: So friends, this morning, I, I feel like I'm, I'm wanting to bring um, if a, a picture from Genesis through to Revelation. And I'm just saying, God, help me. And I pray, Lord, let there be a spirit of revelation upon us. And we say, welcome you, Holy Spirit. You lead us into all truth, spirit of truth. And I pray that uh, not only are you our counselor and our comforter, but you are our advocate. You are all that we need. And, and you've, you, you've said, Lord, that you, you give us everything we need for life, everything we need for godliness. And uh, Lord, I thank you that even the conviction that comes by the power of the Spirit convicts us of guilt, regards to sin and righteousness, even judgment. Lord, it prepares us and, and sanctifies us and enables us to be more and more like you. So work in us today. Work in me, even as I'm speaking, Lord. May the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart bring glory to your name and honor you, Lord, reflecting you well and representing you well. Be acceptable unto you, my Lord and my God. And you are my rock and you are my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Who doesn't like a good mystery? And, you know, it's like, what's the storyline? Like, where's the plot going? What's the overarching thing here? And you start to think, oh, who did it? Who did it, you know, in the first five minutes? Like, you know, Vivi and I sometimes like, who do you think's the, the baddie? You know, maybe they're trying to give us a, a deflection here or trying to get us to think the wrong way. But um, even puzzle pieces, you know, when you start to see a puzzle piece, you've got to have a bit of an overview to know the bigger picture, because otherwise the puzzle piece just looks very puzzling. <laughs> it's like, where is this going? And, um, and to prove a point of popularity, who's the best-selling fiction author of all time? Sorry? Agatha Christie. Did I hear Agatha Christie? Who said that? There we go. Oh, wow. Two billion copies. Two billion. I mean, Shakespeare wasn't a fiction author. He's, he's up there even beyond that. But, but fiction. We're talking about um, mysteries. So we've got... Um, Agatha Christie, and so she sold a lot. And, and uh, I don't know if she's still alive. She probably isn't. No, she isn't. <laughs> okay. But when it comes to a mystery, how about a conflict as old as time, back to the Garden of Eden, forward to a final showdown at the consummation of the age? And how about the tables being turned on an age-old adversary and him being trampled underfoot and crushed? And that is a, is a, is a, a noble thing. It's a wonderful thing to, to see that. And so Paul's final instruction to the letter of the Romans addresses this, you know, the context of this verse that we'll see on the, on the screen behind me is, is that there's some deception, some false teaching that's come in and, and he's wanting to address that. And, and he's saying, what's wise? What's good? What's evil? All those ingredients of a good mystery. And he's, and he's saying, look at those things. And so... Romans 16, 19 says, and I could quote it to you because there was a song back in my day, Bob Fitz. I don't think any of you would have heard of Bob Fitz. He was a worship leader 20, 30 years ago probably. And also, um, anyway, he, he sang a song that made me, help me remember this and I won't sing it although Bibi was like, <laughs> I could sing it. But <laughs> be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Yes, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And uh, it's not the best translation because as you see on the board, be wise at what is good. That's that's, uh, the translation I'm working out of this morning. But I urge you, brothers and sisters, starting in verse 17, to give context. Watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way and that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. And everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And so he's exhorting these Christians, these Romans, he's saying, be alert for false teachers and divisive people. They're attractive in speech, but they're motivated by selfish desires. And I think if you speak to people about Christianity, oh no, I've seen those tele and they've got a bad name because they're always after money. Friends, there's a reason they've got a bad name because there's often a hook. You know, there's a teaching and then, oh, then give to the ministry and it's a ministry named after them often. I'm thinking, well, that's not helpful. It's, it's alienating a world that all they see is the wrong thing. And, and then Romans 1, it, it similarly describes the people that dishonor God and it says they... You know, So we've got Romans 16, but you also got Romans 1, where it says they were darkened or futile in their thinking. Foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, yet they became fools. So Paul's picked up bookends here. He's got chapter 1 and chapter 16, saying there's some whose hearts are not, are not true. And, and they say they're wise, but they're actually fools. And, and so there's an allusion, even back to Genesis 3 and verse 15, a reference to mankind crushing the head of Satan. And uh, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You know, Satan will get you in the Achilles tendon. Is that, is that your heel? You know, back, you know, the place that could cripple you. But, but you are going to crush him underfoot. And so Paul's, uh, in verse 25, describes the gospel as a mystery hidden from long ages past from the dawn of creation, from the garden of Eden. I believe the Bible's painting an incredible picture of a battle over heavenly wisdom against a demonic fallen wisdom. And the Bible says, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from it, you will certainly die. Friends, that's health and safety 101. That's what they should have been saying. Health and safety, don't do this. We're told in Proverbs, experiencing the fear of the Lord is wisdom or the beginning of wisdom. And that, while, and that gained by disobedience is slavery and death. So any experience outside of, of the fear of the Lord is gonna lead to disobedience and even slavery and death. And the consequence would mean they'd be cut off from the source of, of life and the tree of life, and that would be spiritual death. So in Genesis three, the fall, you've got the the snake, and he's more crafty. It says in in what verse uh, verse one, uh, he's more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, "Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" And the woman said to the snake, "We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat." Fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and then she adds something in there, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. And see, much could be said about this passage. The couple were already made in the image of God, and in this way, they were already like God. They should have been secure in their identity, and 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 who God had made them to be. But by obeying the serpent, they, they disobeyed or b- betrayed a trust placed in them by God to exercise authority over the beasts of the field, which included the serpent. It does not. Merely an act of disobedience, it was an act of treachery, an act of rebellion against the divine king by obeying one of his creatures. And the words I want to focus on are, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. So he's bringing discontentment with the permitted trees and he's focusing her desire on this one. Why is it always the forbidden one that's so tempting? You know, if the devil didn't candy coat poison, we wouldn't drink it or eat it. He, pay, you know, he makes it attractive. And then we always, it, it has a nature of, it takes us further than we wanna go. We end up staying longer and it costs us more than we're willing to pay. It's, it's, it, if sin wasn't pleasurable, we wouldn't do it. It starts off thinking, wow, it's pleasing. It's gonna be pleasurable. A moment's pleasure and a lifetime of regret. How many people have gone down that road? whether it's under the influence of, of something and then they, they let their inhibitions down and then they think, oh, this is, feels good, so it must be okay and it's pleasurable. But there's then the consequence. And uh, so this deadly appeal is to make her wise or make one wise with a fallen, worldly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. Where according to the book of James, you have jealousy and selfish ambition and disorder and every evil practice. That's the fallen nature of wisdom. To each of this tree is to despise godly wisdom and the instruction in the fear of the Lord, which as I said, is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, Proverbs 9, 10 is a very similar verse. It says, goes on to say, the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So the key to unlocking the mystery of the ages, you've got to ask, I wish I had a big key here. I meant to find a a big key because keys can open massive doors. And, and open mysteries and, and even small boxes, you know, keys unlock things. And so it's, it's some of this that I'm wanting to bring this morning is you've got to ask the question, what's the Holy One like? And the same passage in the book of James, he contrasts heavenly wisdom with wisdom from above. And so he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them, if you go back, I uh, think, yeah you know, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility, That comes from wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's godly wisdom. It's just a beautiful picture of it. And so, As I go through this narrative this morning, it might be a lot of Scripture, but friends, I'm trying to paint a picture. And and, uh, I remember, you know, some messages can leave their mark on your life and you can remember them as if they were yesterday. And this message probably came to me more than 30 years ago through a man who tried to make sense of suffering. And he studied the Scriptures. His name was Dr. Graham Cato. And he was part of, uh, our church had a leadership training school and we imported a lot of le- uh, training materials and they gave their, their materials to us. And, and he came and ministered this word and he had spent, as I say, nine or whatever, 10 months finding the truth in, in this uh, picture that I'm trying to paint this morning. And so the, back, if the backstory to the fall in the Garden of Eden is, is the following passage in Isaiah 14 and, and it's verse 12 to 15. How you have fallen... From heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Friends, many commentators have, have seen the poetic illusion in which the fallen king of Babylon, which this is describing, is actually a bigger picture of a, of a fallen Satan. It's likened to a fallen Satan. So you've got, yes, the king of Babylon who's got judgment on, over his life, but you've also got a picture of, of the, the son of, what is it? The son, it says there, describes him as, as the one who's laid low the nations. And, and, but the I wills, it comes through so strongly. I will, I will. I look at the word pride and the little letter I in the center of the word pride. And even the little letter I in the center of the word sin is, is the issue here. It's, it's the I will, I will, I will, I will. I will do it my way. I did it my way. That's the center of, of, of the problem. My will above God's will. And uh, putting my wisdom above the world, or the obviously the the one who is God, and so that picture there, I don't know how you picture Satan and, and his fall, but there's beauty, but there's also strength, but' it's a it's a fallen, you know it's something that that has cast down. and so if I look at the Ezekiel passage now, and there'll be another pa- uh, picture that may try and try and depict that because here's the description in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12 to 17. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre. So now we've moved away from the king of Babylon to the king of Tyre. And say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Cornelian, crystallite and emerald, topaz, onyx and jasper, lapis luzi, uh, turquoise and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God and you walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and I made a spectacle of you before kings. Does it sound familiar? Many would see Ezekiel likening the downfall of this proud king of Tyre to the fallen curse on Satan. We see beauty and we see splendor and we see exaltation, self-exaltation, pride and a selfish ambition to make Himself like the Most High. The tragic consequence and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. And we know from Scripture that pride comes before a fall. And I can imagine Satan's fallen wisdom being that the power should rule. Those with power and authority should rule over the weak. Those with splendor and beauty and eloquence and, and charisma and whatever should, should be elevated. Not this dust creature, this dust made of man, creature of man, or creation of you know, God, but, but, but a dust man. Why would God lay aside His majesty and his creative spoken word. And why would he get down and dirty and and his hands being like a potter, a sculptor? And then why would he even go a step further and give this intimate kiss of of life and breath of life into this handiwork? And so if you look at that picture of the, the dust creature, why would he lower himself down to that and kiss that on the mouth and breathe a breath of life into that? Dust, dirt, lowly being. Then add to insult, or add insult to injury. Isn't that the idiom or the saying? Give mankind now dominion and authority, and make the angelic host subject to serve mankind. For Scripture says in Hebrews 1:14, aren't all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So can you imagine this guardian cherub full of beauty and splendor and majesty and glory. And, and maybe he was the worship leader in heaven and, and drew attention to the throne. But suddenly he started to look at himself and think, how can I not be elevated? And how can I not rule over these creation? Why has God given them dominion over all creation? And, and even the angelic host, you know, in some sense of they've got to serve, the angelic host needs to serve mankind, not the other way around. And so I think and believe Satan set his fallen wisdom up against God's supreme wisdom. And he determined to show just how weak and fallible this apple of God's eye was. And with mankind disobeying Satan in pride and presumption, Satan thought he had the victory. Yes, Satan had struck his heel, bringing spiritual death. But this very man, you and I, would crush Satan underfoot. How would that happen? How would the tables be turned? Paul declares to the Corinthians, but we preach Christ crucified, stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. I think we're in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23. Did I have that scripture up? There we go. So if you go into verse 24, you'll see, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The next verse. Christ Jesus, who's become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Jesus is the wisdom from God. Wisdom personified. Jesus is the wisdom. If you want to know wisdom, look to Jesus. He is wisdom, the wisdom of God. And that's why it's wisdom 101. We talked about health and safety 101. Now God's saying wisdom 101. And so... uh, Do nothing out of selfish, ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Friends, this passage is the pivotal passage for this morning because we see in it the wisdom of God. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another had the same mindset as, as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Does that sound familiar back to, Gen- or back to Isaiah and Ezekiel? Didn't consider equality with God. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And as we came through in the prayers this morning, I think Michael prayed it out. I may have mentioned it. Therefore, God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him, friends, the name, the name we sang about this morning that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Even this this side of heaven and that side of heaven. You know what I mean? Both now and later, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, his victory becomes your victory and our victory. We don't fight for victory, but from victory, he's won the victory. So great that he could dare to become so weak. That he lowered himself, that he abased himself, and then he abounded, you know, (laughs) he he humbled himself and then was exalted. And uh, there's lots of truth in those. Humble yourself in the hand of the Lord and He will lift you up higher and higher. He will exalt you in due time. And then if you think now we've gone from Genesis and we've gone through some of the Old Testament and we've looked at this uh, Philippians 2 passage, but we look at Revelation now. We are right at the last verse, so you're nearly there. But Revelation 12, 11, they triumphed. Who? You, me triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Friends, here we have the Lamb, a a Lamb that's meek. But don't, don't mistake meekness for weakness. You might ask the question, what King goes to a cross? The King of glory. Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. Open wide the gates that the King of glory may come in. So great. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes, he may be a lamb crucified in weakness and meekness, but he is the King of glory. When you see the lion and the lamb, don't have one and think, well, meek and mild Jesus. What's the saying? Jesus, meek and mild. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lion that is coming. And he's riding on a white horse. And I could go on a description there, but he is awesome in power and majesty. And so in these final chapters, the, the book of Romans, you could probably leave it on that picture, is described, in you know, Paul's praying the God of hope. And we sang all that this morning. And he's also praying, may the God of hope, may you fill you. Friends, this morning, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the people of hope. We're the hope for the nations. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope. Are we filled with hope? Because we have the one who's overcome. And because he's overcome, we overcome. Because he's conquered weak more than conquerors. And then it goes on to say, Paul also describing not only the God of hope, but the God of peace. And Paul's prayer, may the God of peace be with All of you, and then he says, "Amen." May the God of hope and the God of peace be with all of you, Amen. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. What's that mean? Not you know. I would think if I had to write that, I would have would have said you know you know they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, so it wasn't their thoughts. But I wouldn't have put God of peace. I would have put the God of authority or the God of power or the God of might will crush Satan underneath your feet because he is so powerful. God will crush him under your feet. The God of peace will crush him under your feet. (laughs) It's like, you know, the way up is the way down. As we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand and He will lift you up in due time. As I said, who may ascend the hill of the mountain of the Lord or may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The one who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their Savior. And so friends, this morning to illustrate this, a friend of mine, actually, a dear friend, Don Crawford, um, he, he sent something to me. And, and friends, if I came to you with a plate, and I I wanted to serve you food, but the plate was dirty, and I had great food on it, but the plate was not what you expected. It would not be what you were wanting. It would be like, you would take two looks at that, and you would say, and friends, we have a gift, and we want to serve, and we want to bring our gift, but what about the plate? What about the holiness? What about the unrighteousness? We've got to put that down. You know, we've got to put that aside. We've got to put down porn. You've got to clean the plate. You can't, you can't bring this. I've had people say to, I've asked to someone actually, I said to him, what happens if I watch porn the night before and got up here in the pulpit on a Sunday? And he's like, "Ah, oh, as long as you say sorry. I was like, what? What? If I, friends, that is not the way that, repentance works it's godly sorrow that leads to repentance and repentance means a change of heart mind and direction doesn't mean staying at the same address and taking the plate and saying have some food would you like some help yourself would you like it something's missing friends if I start ordering people around do this do that that's not reflective of Christ he's the servant king You're not elevated into a position where you can exercise your authority at the expense of others. Consider others more highly than yourself, better than yourself. And so friends, I'm just saying that because God's grace is there, but don't despise His grace because there's a day of judgment and there's a day that He's going to hold all of us to account. And do not think that He will just excuse sin. He died. It cost Him His Son. It cost Him His everything, His all. He didn't hold anything back, so don't hold anything back in coming to Him. Give it all to Him. If you need to cut off your arm, as Donna said in that movie, 127 Hours, deal radically with sin. Kill sin before it kills you. Kill whatever's crippling you, friends, spiritually. To deal with it before it, it, it undoes you. And so... The last verses of of this chapter 16, I almost cannot get out of Romans, but I feel God's wanting to say the final summary of the gospel of the righteousness of God, that's what it's saying, is now to him who's able to establish Establish you in accordance with my gospel. The message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden from long ages past, but, by, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So there's a mystery that's revealed. The gospel comes by a mystery being revealed. We would know nothing of it at all if it were not for God, opening our hearts and minds to His grace. And for a long time, this gospel mystery was kept hidden. It was declared to Abraham in advance, I'll make you a nation and, and I'll bless you and I'll make you famous and you'll be a blessing and I'll bless those who, who bless you and, 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 and I'll, I'll curse those who you curse. And... and I mean, those, I'll bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So even when you look back that far, it was revealed. It was, it, it was hidden, but then the gospel in advance. But, but the, even the prophets only had a dim outline of it. And the fullness of the gospel was yet to come. And they only had a small notion in this, long, this past stage of human history. Human wisdom was not able to fathom the good news from God. That is until Jesus came to reveal it and declare it. And that's the turning point of history is Jesus coming into and stepping into the picture. The fullness of salvation comes. The fullness friends, spirits poured out. Salvation is not to be viewed only or dimly from a distance. The kingdom of God draws near And the Old Testament bears witness to the gospel and has prepared the way for the coming of Jesus. Friends, 300 prophecies revealed through the coming of Jesus. And at the end of Romans, we have to say, I've seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and glory. The heavens proclaim His righteousness. All the people see His glory. It's all unto Him. And so, Father, this morning, I know this is a, is, a, is a lot of truth, a lot of, and I almost feel like a truckload of truth out of the pantry rather than a cordon bleu meal. But I do pray, Lord, that we would take the truth from Genesis to Revelation and realize that You've set the example. And we fix our eyes on You, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who the joy set before You, You endured the cross God, that we would take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you. God, help us to lay down things, lay down our will. God, that's, that's repentance. is your will above mine, your kingdom above mine. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. Help me to live right. Help me to do right. Help me to... God, that whole thing is about washing through the Word. The plate needs to be washed through the Word. Wash us with Your Word. Cleanse the plate. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our lives. Cleanse us that we'd be a living sacrifice, that we could be bringing honour and glory to Your name. And Jesus, we just look to You. And I thank You for that, the power of the the Spirit to change us from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.